This episode is a rebroadcast of a Facebook Live event. To see Martha and Nellie's live show, please follow their Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Bubble Lounge Club. That's facebook.com backslash Bubble Lounge Club. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Bubble Lounge. I'm Nellie Shudo. And I'm Martha Jackson. And Martha, it feels so strange that it's Holy Week. I mean, last week was Palm Sunday and this weekend is Easter, and it's sort of hard to get into the, the spirit. I know what you're saying. It's good. This Friday is Good Friday, and that's always a holiday. And uh, the kids don't go to school, but it's pretty much like they're not in school as it is. <laughs> it, exactly. You're right. It, it doesn't really feel extra special. And of course, Easter is Sunday. But um, I'm hearing that a lot of churches are doing online services right now. Well, and that's really interesting. I love our guests today because of that, because uh, it is a way for us to turn inward to our families. I mean, for example, Charles was in confirmation class for the past couple of years. So he was going to church all the time and we were too. The minute that ended, we kind of stopped. So there is a way for us as a family to sort of start doing that again, being spiritual together. Well, we're going to have to really turn our homes into a church. And <laughs> today we have on Reverend Dr. Chris Garada from St. Michael and All Angels, which just happens to be my church. He's a wonderful guy and he's going to give us a lot of tips and information to help us with our new way of doing things. And I've heard such great things about him from you and Sean, so I'm really looking forward to meeting him. And here he is now. So joining us today is Reverend Dr. Chris Garada of St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church right here in Dallas, Texas. Chris, thank you for being on the show today. It's my pleasure. Glad to be here. So churches are close, but Christ isn't quarantined, and Holy Week is not canceled like everything else. It's still going on. It's still happening in the churches, and churches are doing an amazing job at pivoting and coming up with a new way of doing things, and I want to hear what's going on at St. Michael. Oh, you're definitely right. Um, we've had to pivot a lot, but thankfully we were ready to pivot because we had a decent amount of um, technological infrastructure in place that allowed us to go streaming immediately to do multi-camera angles and try to give people a sense of being in the space with us. I mean, one of the challenges I think about streaming the worship service is you're not there and you're distracted by all the stuff going on around you, right? Whether you're sitting in your family room or in your office or wherever you are, there are lots of things happening all around you that wouldn't distract you if you were sitting in the pews in the church. And so we try to make the shots engaging tweak the timing and do things like that just to try and make it as um, deeply uh, experiential as we can. Um, but like you said before, church is not closed, right? We can't physically be there, but the church is open. Open. Well, right. it's funny. First of all, I have to say, welcome to the show. But also, I love that you're Reverend Thanks, Doctor. Man. I'd like to have two titles. I'd like that. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah, a, like a, a two-time. <laughs> but I also... <laughs> My church in New York is doing the same thing. And so I grew up in a Jesuit Catholic church, which mm -hmm. I always think is similar to your church. Uh, we never listened to the Pope until we had a Jesuit one. We were always told, ignore what he said. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we kind of grew up in a similar kind of situation. And I actually grew up with like priests and nuns in my house. We would have um, church in the Hamptons on Saturday evening at 530 and then have dinner together. And that church is like my mainstay. It's this beautiful old structure. And 
I was baptized there first, everything, they're married there. My son was baptized there. And I have to tell you that having that Sunday, they have it actually every morning service and then the Sunday service. And it really makes me feel like I'm in that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's, it's similar in a sense. I grew up Catholic too, Nelly. Mm -hmm. um, and so I grew up with the priests, you know, coming to dinner occasionally and nuns who taught me for the first few years of my life. And that kind of intimacy is what I think most of us know church to be, right? We, most of us, I think, and probably us at least, didn't grow up in kind of the theater kind of event space. You know, there weren't 10,000 people in the room with us. Mm -hmm. We actually kind of knew each other, right? You saw the people you knew regularly, you knew the clergy, you had that kind of physical connection that now without being physically near one another has made it kind of challenging. One of the things I've started to say is that we're not socially distanced, we're physically distanced. And we can be socially connected for sure. And so we have to begin to get creative about how we can be socially connected. For example, like what we're doing right now. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. I, what, I, what immediately comes to mind for me is my son, who's 15 years old. And I think about it being the Lenten season and this coming Sunday's Easter. And I think, how do I keep him involved? How do we as a family stay connected through church in God, et cetera. Like I, I read the Ignatian examine every morning, which I'm mm -hmm. sure you kind of remember from being Catholic. I know it. Like I read that it's almost like uh, Jesus is calling. It's a very similar idea. Uh, how do I get my son engaged in this? You know, Nellie, I think that's a really appropriate question for a lot of adults. I'll say probably adults of every age. Um, we've, we've had multiple generations now of people who have effectively let the church be responsible for creating faith identity, right? So parents at, probably for most parents at their best, if they just got everyone to the church building, that's about all they did, right? And then you kind of like cross your fingers, say your prayers, maybe occasionally you talk about it around the dinner table, but not often and certainly not daily. And now everyone's kind of left having to do this kind of faith formation on their own. And good for you for having a way of doing that, that kind of Ignatian model of daily prayer. Um, I think for a lot of parents, oh my gosh, it is so difficult to imagine how they do this at home. So for example, this past Sunday was Palm Sunday, and I wanted to be able to bring the experience to the house. And so I recorded a simple video on how to tie palm crosses. It was really sort of like a little craft experience. Um, but the idea was- Where did we get the palm? Where did we get the palms right now? <laughs> so I showed you how to do it with paper. Because oh. Oh. people can't probably get palms. But I've had so many people send pictures to me saying, I mean, from monkey grass to all different kinds of things, they found strips of greenery in some way around their homes and tied them up into crosses. Um, children used colored paper, they cut into strips, tied the crosses, and decorated their windows. And anything like that, that can be engaging, I think is really helpful. And unfortunately, most churches have a real difficult time creating an engaging worship experience digitally. That's, that's hard. Um, and if you don't have the infrastructure in place and you don't have maybe the music in place, 
um, it can fall very flat and be pretty cold. And it's not the kind of thing that a 15 year old is going to engage in. And so I would encourage people to not, to not let go of their home church, but I think people should be absolutely comfortable and confident to go hop around and see what other churches are doing. I mean, you know, in a real sense, you can kind of church shop without anyone knowing you are right now because you've got digital stuff all over the place. And so why not take a look and see what other traditions are doing and how others are teaching and engaging and nothing's wrong with that. We're all working toward the same end. Yeah. That's a that's a great suggestion. I wanted to know if there's anything that we can do to turn our homes into more of a church setting, especially here for Holy Week when there's so many things going on. Yeah, so I would definitely encourage you. There are some great online resources to help people prepare their homes to, in effect, kind of mimic what's going on in the churches during the Holy Week services. So, for example, Monday Thursday, set a table you know, put a glasses out and plates out and light some candles and do things like that. And as you're watching the service, when it comes to the end of the service, strip that table, engage, especially if you have young children at home, engage them in taking things off the table, putting them away, taking the cloth off the table. And as they're seeing that happen at their church, they're doing that in their homes. And it's an amazingly powerful way to link your faith, right? Because so many people think the church is closed. Mm -hmm. The church is not closed. We are the church. And if we have confused the church with a building, this is an opportunity for us to correct that error. Well, I have a question for you. I, um, I'm going to call you Rev Doc. I, um, (laughs) I grew up with my parents very involved in the church and they used to embarrass the heck out of me because they had their feet washed on the altar during Easter. <laughs> so should I recreate that in my home? <laughs> yes. I love that question because I am, you know, my, my friends know that I am not a fan of the foot washing. Um, I don't want to do it. I am not either. We support you on that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. And I don't like it. And I don't want to do it for all the reasons why I'm supposed to. Right. I mean, the whole idea of, humbling yourself to do it is the point, right? You, you actually do put yourself in a vulnerable position to wash or be washed. And I think that's kind of the point, right? Is to force yourself into something that feels new. Here's what I would want to tell you. So um, years ago, when I was not in Dallas, we designed foot washing to be switched. And so people came up together to wash each other's feet. And so it wasn't just, say, the priests washing the feet of the people or vice versa. Whole families would come up. And so like you as a mother would wash the feet of your child and then they'd turn around and wash your feet. And I promise you, I was so affected by that because especially as a parent, I would say especially as a mother, for your children to wash your feet feels so weird Except in the moment, it's so beautiful that I think it, the way that Jesus showed himself as a humble servant is so tangible when we do that ourselves. And so if you've got the stuff, I say you go be messy, go feel ridiculous, and do it. Because in that moment, when you're literally holding someone's foot. I mean, it's so weird, right? We don't do this. 
Yeah. But it's so intimate and it can be pretty beautiful. Well, and I understand what you're saying because I do feel like I grew up in a, a very, um, not traditionally uh, conservative church, but traditionally um, the rituals were traditional. At, like, Liturgically, in, yeah. Et cetera. And I have to say, I am, and I, I speak Chinese and I lived in Asia and I connect to Buddhism as well because it feels very ritualistic and I personally enjoy the rituals. Yep. So um, to me, it puts me into a different zone. So I love what you're saying. It's almost like you're creating rituals at home. You are absolutely creating rituals at home. And I would encourage you to do that. I mean, on a personal level, a few months ago, I started to, I wanted what we do each day to have a bit more ritual to it. And so I went and I got just plain white taper candles and I put them out on our dinner table. When we have dinner, now we light candles as if we are doing something formal. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how, just lighting the candles, sitting together, saying a prayer before dinner has really become a ritual. My children have figured out a way to make sure that they rotate who gets to light the candles and say the prayer because nobody gets to do it more than the others, right? Mm -hmm. And so we kind of balance that out, but it has become this beautiful moment. And so I would encourage you at home in whatever way you feel comfortable and maybe in the ways you don't feel comfortable because that's probably a good thing to try <laughs> and almost make it feel chapel-like in your home. And candles, just candles alone, can actually kind of make that feel great. Well, That's Father great Chris, Father Chris, I have a question. How do we handle communion at home, doing it ourselves? Do we just go grab our favorite bottle of wine and a box of crackers, or how do we do this? So I love that, because this past weekend, my wife took pictures of my own kids doing communion together around the coffee table while the service was live on our TV in our family room. And I've had multiple other members of St. Michael email me to say, is that okay? I mean, we don't want to make it, we don't want to kind of cheapen it. We don't want it to be, you know, disrespectful or something like that. And I said, absolutely. Here's the most important thing we need to know as ritualistic people, right? Episcopalians, Catholics, that sort of stuff. Yes. It is not consecrated at home. But if you want to get a plate out and put some bread and put some water or juice or even wine in a cup and do that together while you're watching the TV, do it. That is no problem. And I will promise you, Nellie, your Jesuits would have no issue with this at all. I, I agree with you. I like, I like that you went like this. No that's how the Jesuits are. <laughs> yeah. yes. So you do it because it, it reminds the kids of what, of what is really important. And in a way it, allows us to begin to differentiate why it's important that we do our rituals in a certain way, but that God is never bound by our rituals, right? We are human and we like rituals. It helps us feel connected to people who have come before us and connected to people who will come after us. But make no mistake, God does not fit in the boxes we create. And this is a great example of how we can make sure our children know that God's always bigger than we can ever imagine. Well, and also we are all in our lives right now missing ritual, right? Yes. I mean, I just said to my Habit. husband today, I said, you know what, when we come out of this, I'm going to so enjoy the things I hated before. Like I can remember going to Kabuki theater at the Metropolitan Opera in New York that somebody gave me tickets to with my, <laughs> with my best friends. And we laughed and had to like exit 
the, 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 yeah, the um, auditorium because we couldn't stop laughing because I hate kabuki theater and I hate motorcycle. I thought about th things I hate, motorcycle gangs. And I was like, if I could see a motorcycle gang right now, I would be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I would. If I saw Hell's Angels going down the street, I'd be like, yeah. So I feel like we'll come out of this with like a renewed sort of appreciation and acceptance of everything. It's gratitude, Nellie. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that is, it's like magic. Um, and, you know, Martha knows that at St. Michael, we've been talking a lot about gratitude for almost a year now. And gratitude can be so powerful because it changes the way you see the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the opportunity we have right now in this unprecedented, extraordinary time is to, rather than focus on what could go wrong, think about what we have, what we are grateful for. Um, I know a few months ago I said in some sermon, um, what if we only had today what we were grateful for yesterday? And mm -hmm. for those of us who have so much, that is a really daunting task because it's almost an impossible task to be grateful for everything we have. But it allows us to enter into, um, in essence, like a prioritization, right? Think about what is most important, those first things first, and keep those first things first. And don't take them for granted. Things like playing cards with your family or hugging a friend or, oh my God, shaking a hand. I watched a movie the other night and people shook hands and hugged each other. And my immediate thought was, don't touch each other, right? Because yeah. we've been so ingrained in this. I know. I thought, how yeah. messed up is that? That's um, what it's Man, I'm going to be grateful for being able to hug people again. Well, me yeah. too. And like th this Ignatian examine that I read every morning literally says, it, it goes through it every day. And it's like, I begin with, first, I relish the things that I relish. Like you talk about the things that you really appreciate. And I've sort of practiced that all my life anyway. Because when I feel stressed, that's the way I handle it. I'll go, what am I grateful for in this moment? Like my father died a couple of years ago. And I remember when I went to bed at night and I was thinking about losing him, I would think, I'm grateful that I had dinner with him in New York. I'm grateful that I got to see him. I'm grateful that he's feeling okay. Like I had to go through it in my mind in order to sort of process it. Yep. Well, uh, Father Chris, something Nellie just said about losing her father just got me to think that, you know, a lot of people are going through tough times right now. Some people have lost their job. Some people have a loved one that's sick that they're not able to see right now. Mm -hmm. And are people, are you available to talk with people and help them through these tough times right now? Yeah, that's a great question, Martha, because I think that's part of, that is perhaps the hardest thing for clergy right now um, is being physically present with people is such a critical part of our identity. And in order to not expose people, honestly, um, we are not physically meeting with people. Um, and I haven't had to do it, but I know of colleagues around the country who are doing things like final prayers or even, even attempting some kind of digital anointing at the end of life that just does not feel good enough for me. Good, and I will say it's good enough, but it's really kind of heartbreaking that we can't be with people physically. However, to get to your question, I think that any clergy person would want any of their church members to know that they're available, for sure. Um, okay. We are limited, and unfortunately that limit, that limitation will not 
satisfy everyone um, like they would be in a normal time. But well, reaching out is always a good thing. We at St. Michael have um, a phone number that is used can be used 24-7 for any kind of pastoral emergencies. And that was, I mean, we've been doing that for years. And so it has nothing to do with this crisis, but it is available now. And I would imagine that most churches have some kind of on-call number or crisis number that they would want people to use. But what if it's not a crisis? Um, and what if it's just hard? Um, and so, yes, reach out to your clergy people. But let me also say something. The church is not the clergy people. Um, the church really is all of us. And I think that this may be an opportunity for us, especially in some of our liturgical traditions like Catholicism or, or the Episcopal Church, where we do have a relatively high sense of the ordained person, that we are all part of the priesthood of all believers. We are all part of the body of Christ. We can all care for one another. That is our calling. We are not, as clergy, the kind of professional Christians on your behalf, right? We, all of us, are able to care for one another, serve one another, remind one another that they're loved and that they're not alone. And so if that's something new, because evangelism is not perhaps part of the tradition, right? I mean, I, I, I love a joke that I heard years ago that the um, Episcopal evangelism is painting the front doors red and waiting for the right people to show up. You know, that's not, that's not good enough. And instead, how about we as individuals reach out to our neighbors? If you know there's that person who sits in the pews near you every Sunday by themselves, guess what? They're still by themselves. Mm -hmm. Call them. If you know that there's a person who just lost a loved one, and even if they lost a loved one a couple years ago, like your dad, Nellie, mm -hmm. call them because they still lost that person. And that's the way that we can remain socially connected, even though we're physically separated. Yeah, it's like, I, I thought about this and you know, I have a, a penchant for older people. I always have, I've lost both my parents. So I try to reach out to older people and this is sort of a funny, silly story. But I reached out to a brother who I've known since I was six years old, who literally, like I said, in the Hamptons, you know, part of our family, really, really and truly. And he's in his 80s and he's in like a priest old folks home in the Bronx. And I called him. I'm going to call him all the time. But I called him to say, do you need anything? And of course, he said the usual is like, you know, I, I, I need some shaving cream, you know, just basics. He was like, I'm afraid to go to the CVS. I need a couple little things. So I prepared this care package, which also included some liquor that said open in an emergency. But the funny thing was that made me laugh and like really brought some lightness to it was in the middle of the conversation when I asked him what he needed, he said, you know what I really need? I really need some fuchsia feathers. <laughs> He's a puppet maker and has been all his life. And it was hilarious to me that this man in his 80s, it was the most joyous request ever. I was like, I'm going to find those damn feathers. Like, For listen. Sure. And I did. And I sent him a care package. <laughs> I love that. And how easy was that? It was I so remember. easy and I, it made me smile. I was like, that's the best request I've heard in the past, you know, almost month. You know, I remember um, years ago, I brought a speaker to a different city, not Dallas, um, mm -hmm. to speak on homelessness. And as they were speaking on homelessness, they said, we talk about homelessness as a massive problem that can't be solved. 
but there are more churches in this city than there are homeless people. And so if we treated it not as an issue, but as actual people, and each one of us did just a little, what if each church helped one homeless person to break the cycle of homelessness? We would actually break it. And I think of it in the same way in this moment, you don't have to solve loneliness, right? Go call one or two people, send one person some pink feathers, and you've really changed the world. You have. <laughs> well, Father Chris, I connected with you just this morning on Instagram. And I have to tell you, I really like your Instagram account. You not only share very <laughs> motivational and inspirational messages, but you also have quite a few funny things on there as well. I try, you know, I think humor heals. Mm-hmm. And I am I the agree. first person to make a joke. And sometimes people think it's too soon to make a joke. But that's all right. I think that God is funny. And if we, I think God is offended if we think he's serious. And so we need to laugh along. I like well, that. How, how can we find you? How can we find, how can you find me? Yes. How can like our yeah. audience find you? If you're yeah, in the Oh gosh. Some guys um, well, so, on Instagram, you know. Yeah, I was going to say on all those social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, recently, um, if people would like to join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights, I am doing Compline prayers, which are only about ten minutes, um, and I post those. It's live on Facebook, and then I post them to the Instagram TV. So on my Instagram feed, you can do it either way. Um, and Compline is one of those ancient prayer services that is meant to end your night. It's what you say just before you go to bed. So it's actually after evening prayer. Um, and so it's super simple, very, um, very, I don't know what, what's the right word to say. It's very centering, um, because it's, it is so simple. And I would say that that's a great thing to do. I've been, I'm teaching my Bible studies, um, every Wednesday morning live on Facebook. And so there are plenty of ways that you can connect. And I would love for people to connect because all of those accounts are public. Um, I don't do really weird things. Um, I'm always sensitive to know that children could be looking too. So everything is, is nice and clean, oftentimes funny, which I like. Um, but there are plenty of ways that we're engaging people right now. And, and through St. Michael as well, the Facebook, Instagram accounts, like I said, we're streaming every night in Holy Week, 7 p.m. Um, we'll stream every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 all the way through. And we're likely going to stream 9 and 11 in perpetuity um, because but, we've and, got the system. And you also have a lot of your uh, previous sermons posted online at stmichael.org. And I'll put the link in w- when we post yep. this episode up. So people can find stmichael.org slash um, media is a great way to look at everything. Uh, lots of teachings, lots of sermons, Bible studies, small groups, things that are much better than scrolling through your newsfeed. Thank you so much for being on the Bubble Lounge today. We really appreciate your time, especially during Holy Week. Yeah, thanks for bringing thank some you, Martha. joy. I'm sorry. Thank you for bringing some joy to everybody. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm praying for you both. Thanks for doing what thank you do. You. That's been another episode of the Bubble Lounge. I'm Martha Jackson. And I'm Nellie Shudo. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you.